Hi, this is Cindy Godwin, pastor of Summit Church, and this is our chosen podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this inspires you. I hope that it helps build up your faith and remind you that God has chosen you and set you apart for His purpose. Enjoy the message. Okay, so today we're just going to talk briefly about being released from a false identity, a false identity. And we hear so much today about identity, identity theft. How many of you have ever had your identity stolen? I mean, it's really a horrible feeling, right? I mean, it's just, in fact, we went, I won't name the restaurant. We went to a restaurant one night. This was several years ago. And the server took my credit card, was gone quite a while. When he came back, gave it, and by the next day, my identity was compromised and had sold it. I was told about how this works to someone in California. Man, they had had a good time making purchases all over the nation. And it's such an insult. It is such an insult. So identity theft has gone to a whole new level. Little children don't know their gender. And now, to make it worse, young people think that they're animals instead of humans. I had been in the grocery store and also someplace else, and I saw some people walk in, and this was not Halloween. This is a few months ago, and they were dressed like cats. They had whiskers. They had the little eyelash things. They had ears, all dressed like cats, and I found out those are called furries, and they're teenagers who don't know their identity. Let me tell you something. This is not new to 2023. Identity theft began in a garden thousands of years ago, but it's being taken to a whole new level. And one reason it's being taken to a whole new level is because homes are unstable now. And the media has gone hog wild in trying to feed our young people a false identity. And if the church does not rise up and speak the truth, it will continue to happen. If we don't rise up and pray and intercede and stand in the gap, it will continue to happen. But while we are here, we need to put our foot down on the devil's neck and say no more. I don't know. I think it was called War Room. It was the one with Priscilla Shirer and... If that wasn't what it was called, whatever. But I'm pretty sure that was it. And at one point, because her marriage was a mess, her life was a wreck, and all of a sudden she gets a revelation of power. And she walks in the house and she says, Satan, this house is under new management. And from that time forth, things began to change. Now, you may not think it will make any difference to do such a thing, but I'm telling you right now, If you will rise up and take back your children and stop speaking words that are fruitless, it's, I hear people do this all the time. It's so hard for me not to correct them. But one minister who's now in heaven, he used to say, if you want the cat, don't call the dog. If you want health, don't be saying I'm sick all the time. If you want prosperity and you want to be able to pay your bills with some left over, don't say I'm broke because you are calling that to yourself. If you want to be pain-free, you can't walk around all day saying, I hurt so bad, I hurt so bad, I hurt so bad, because your words have power. When God saw darkness in Genesis, he didn't say, oh my me, it is so dark. 
He said, let there be light. He called forth what was not as though it was. And so we find out in Romans 4, that's exactly what Abraham did. He was unable to have children. He was 100 years old. The Bible says his body was as good as dead. And Sarah was way postmenopausal. But he didn't consider the deadness of Sarah's womb at 90 years old. Can you imagine giving birth to a child at 90 years old? I can't imagine giving birth to a child at my age, more or less at 90. But it, the Bible says he called things that were not as though they were because he considered him faithful who promised. And so today, if there's any way that you have given your identity, maybe you think, I'm so insecure, everybody rejects me, everywhere I go, nobody wants me, I never feel good, things just aren't going my way, Murphy's Law, if something bad could happen, it's going to happen. If that's what you're saying, you're not walking in your God-given identity. So let me just prove to you, because you know I always use the scripture, that it was stolen or attempted, stolen, back in the garden. And the good news is that Jesus got it back. In Genesis 3, 1, the serpent was more subtle and crafty than any living creature of the field which the Lord God had made. And Satan said to the woman, can it really be that God has said, you shall not eat from every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, except the tree which is in the middle of the garden. And God has said, you shall not eat it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. I want to stop there. And if God has given you a promise, you stick to that promise, don't add to it. Or command, she added to it. He never said she couldn't touch it. She could have touched it all she wanted. He just said, don't eat it. But she added to the word. And the serpent said, you shall not die. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing the difference between good and evil, blessing and calamity. Where is the identity theft? They were already like God. Well, how do you know that? Well, Genesis 1:26. God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have complete authority over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, the beast, and over all the earth and over everything that creeps upon the earth. So God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. But when Adam fell, he fell from the image of God. But the last Adam, Jesus Christ, came and he got back the image. And in the book of Ephesians, Paul says, you have been recreated. 2 Corinthians 5.17, if any man be in Christ, in Christ, you ought to look up all the scriptures about being in Christ. You are a new creation. Old things have passed away. That old rejected self, that old shame self, that old unloved self, that old nobody accepts me self, that old untalented self, that old I have nothing to offer self, that old sick self, that's passed away. All things have become new. That's what the Bible says, so it's the truth. A great exchange took place in 2 Corinthians 5.21. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. A new identity. I'm in right standing with God because of Jesus. I'm not ashamed. I'm not a victim of blame. 
I am not accused. There is no condemnation. And you know what? Why do we need uh, to walk in no condemnation? Because we have plenty of people who put us on trial and listen to one evil, ugly, nasty voice. Revelation 12 says, the accuser of the brethren accuses us before God day and night. But we've overcome him by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony and loving not our life even to the death. So I'm just here to tell you today, if you feel accused all the time, it's the accuser. You've got to resist him. Because there's one thing I know. God has put the judge of heaven, the Lord is our king, our judge, our lawgiver. He has taken the gavel of heaven and he has rendered a verdict, not guilty. We are not guilty. So we need to stop walking in that level of condemnation and silence the voices there that are. And so from that day in the garden until now, if the devil can convince us and get us to eat the fruit of lies, that we are not who God says we are, then he's got us. He's got us. And I've heard that voice too. I know we all have. You miss God. You don't hear God. Your prayers aren't answered. You're a victim of your circumstances. We've all heard those voices, but they're lies. They're lies. And the Bible says, submit therefore to God. Resist the devil. We have to stand up and say, no, that's a lie in Jesus' name. I will not listen to that voice. Our mind is the battleground. We can either be led by our head or led by the Holy Spirit. Two choices. There's only two choices. You can be led by your head or led by the Holy Spirit. I'm choosing the Holy Spirit. And so the lie is always aimed to penetrate the helmet of salvation. Remember that word salvation is the word soteria. And it means delivered and rescued. From what? From the authority of darkness. From the dominion of darkness. We are rescued. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set me free from the law of sin and death. Romans 8, 1, and 2. And so we have to resist those lies that want to penetrate our helmet. Now, I want to tell you something really interesting because I'm just going to talk very briefly about two weapons. One is the shield of faith, and the other is the helmet of salvation. Almost all of the weapons of our warfare deal with the word. Almost all of them do. The shield of faith, you know, Paul was looking at a Roman soldier when he wrote Ephesians 6 because he was in prison. And their shield was the shape of a door. And it covered all of them. That's how strong it was. The shield had layers that were soaked in water. Because one of the enemy's tactics was to take flaming missiles that would explode upon impact. But when they hit the shield of faith that had been soaked in water, what happened? It was extinguished. And the Bible says that the water is the word of God and the Holy Spirit. You see, we don't just worship the Lord with the word. We worship him also by the spirit. Because if you just take the word without the spirit, you get law. And the law condemns. But through the Holy Spirit, we can rise up in power. And so they would hold up and they, they formed something called a tortoise, excuse me. And all the soldiers would hold their shields above their heads. And so when those flaming missiles came, whop, they came down on that shield and the water in the shield quenched the fiery missiles. 
And that's the illustration Paul used for us. When we hold up the word of God, it quenches those fiery lies that are meant to burn and destroy you. And then there was the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. But it wasn't just any sword. You might think of a sword as something like this. And it is. No, this sword was only about 18 inches long. And you know the purpose of it? This was gross. That when that sword executed a blow, it literally scooped out the inside of its victim. That's what we want to do. We want to so dismantle and disable the enemy that we literally scoop out his ground to lie to us. I love that. I think it's so powerful. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 2.16, Who has known the mind, the counsels, and purposes of the Lord so as to guide and instruct him and give him knowledge? But we have the mind of Christ, and we do hold the thoughts, the feelings, and the purposes of his heart. I love that. The Bible says, I have his mind. I hold his thoughts. I hold his feelings, and I hold his purposes. And the enemy can have no ground over me if I actually believe that. How do you get there? Well, it's easy. Romans 12, 1 and 2, I appeal to you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. I do this all the time. Lord, I surrender my body to you. It is holy. That word holy doesn't mean I glow in the dark. It means I am set apart for God's purposes. I present my body to you, a holy sacrifice that you can accept. And then the second verse is so powerful. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good, acceptable, and perfect. Now, let me correct some of you on this. I grew up, well, in my young adult years, in a church that said there are three levels of God's will. There's the good There's the acceptable, and there's the perfect. That's wrong. The good, acceptable will of God is the perfect will of God. This is not three different wills, it's one. Study the Greek, you'll see it. And so if I renew my mind, how do I do that? Every, listen to me, if you don't hear anything else today, hear this. Every lie you've ever believed about yourself must be replaced with truth. And if you don't do that, then you're living in an unrenewed mind. So I'm worried, I'm fearful, I'm anxious. You've got to replace it with truth. How do you do that? All right, let's just say you're anxious. Oh, I'm anxious. Go find the book, the scriptures on anxiety. A calm and undisturbed mind and heart or life and health to the body. Lord, I thank you out loud. I have a calm and undisturbed mind and heart. It gives life and health to my body. Lord, your word says, I'm not to be anxious for anything, but through prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Here's my request. And I thank you that as I present my request to you, the peace of God will guard my heart in Christ Jesus. That's how you do it. Whatever you struggle with in your identity, oh, I'm so fearful. I'm afraid. Sandy, I've been afraid all my life. My mama was afraid. My grandmama was afraid. My, my great-grandmama was afraid. They was all the way afraid. Fear, 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 fear. In fact, our last name was Fear, the Fear family. No, 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 no. You've got to take back that land. You can't walk in that false identity anymore. Go to 1 John 4, 8. Lord, I thank you that you are love. 
And he who abides in love abides in God, and God abides in me. And this, we are perfected. For perfect love casts out fear and drives it out of doors. And all of you probably have heard me tell this, and I'll tell it until I'm not teaching anymore when I'm in heaven. And it's the story of a very, very, very dear friend of mine, I was in my 20s, and she was having some extreme pain in her lower abdomen, and they saw a really large, bad growth on her ovary. And so they took it into the, her into the operating room. Her brother-in-law was the anesthesiologist. And he came out, and he said, that was the ugliest tumor I have ever seen. He said it literally had black tentacles that were spreading out like this. And sure enough, the report came back, ovarian cancer, 26 years old, people. She had one child. And so Randy and I and her husband gathered at Methodist Hospital. We went there to pray for her. Now, this is a story that impacted my life in very strong ways. And Randy and I laid hands on her. We took authority. We bound cancer. We did a war dance, a rain dance, and any other dance you can think of. I mean, we were just yelling and screaming and stomping and you name it. And then her husband prayed, and well, we were, we were done. And I thought, wow, what power. We are just walking in such power. We are such mighty people. And all of a sudden, I look at her. She has a single tear running down her cheek. And she said these words. I'll never forget it. She said, Father, I don't know why this is happening to me, but I know that you love me. And you know what that declaration of identity did? They were getting ready to put in a port to do chemo three days later. But instead, they ran more tests, and guess what? It was gone. The cancer was gone. And she went on to have another child, and, you know, I love doctors, but they are practicing medicine. And, and uh, so after she had the, her second child, they said, you know, we better go ahead and just remove everything just in case just in case. But she was divinely healed by what? By the love of the Father. By, by a rooted and grounded identity in love that nobody, no tumor, nothing could steal from her. Nothing could steal from her. And I've said it over and over and over again. Why is the wrong question? The right question is, Lord, what do you want me to do? Where do I go from here? Because here's the fact, we all want to know why, but we might not know why. I don't know why. I don't know all the reasons why my 64-year-old sister died a horrific death. I don't know why some of her last words to me were, I thought I would beat this. I don't know why. But I have to trust the Lord. I don't know why my mother had to bury a child. I don't know why a month before she fell on the 10th anniversary of my father's death and broke her femur. I don't know why I spent two weeks in the hospital, missed those two weeks of my sister's final days. I don't know why. But Lord, I trust you. You have to renew your mind. Now, did God put that disease on her? 100% no, 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 no. Why didn't he heal her? I don't know. But I do know this. It's okay if we go before the Lord and say, Lord, see if there be any hurtful way in me and lead me in the everlasting way. It's okay to do that. It's okay to say, Lord, where do we go from here? 
If I empower a lie or deception, I empower the liar. If you don't remember anything else, remember that. If you empower deception, you empower the deceiver. If you empower a lie, you empower the liar, period. That's why you have to deal mercilessly with fear and worry and anxiety. Now, I am not saying to you that you will never feel those forces because you will. They're in the earth. They are demonic forces. I'm not saying to you that even if you say in the name of Jesus, I resist you fear. I submit to the spirit of love, power, and a sound mind. I'm not saying that the feeling won't go away. But I am saying that we walk by faith and not by sight. And so I just do it. I do it by faith no matter how I feel. I was such an unwanted wallflower when I was growing up. I mean, I thought I was the ugliest person on earth. And I had a very, very, very low self-esteem. If anybody had told me I would be doing what I do today, I would have laughed in their face. But I don't do what I do today because of confidence in myself. I have confidence in him now. Because when I gave my heart to Jesus at 20 years old, his spirit came in me. And his spirit empowered me. He's the spirit of truth. He's the counselor, he's the comforter, he's the helper, he's the strengthener, he's the standby, he's our teacher. And you need to learn to recognize the Holy Spirit. I taught on him a few weeks ago. Let's call on the Holy Spirit. We don't have to do this alone. Jesus told the disciples, don't go anywhere. You wait here until the promise of my Father comes upon you. And we gave an invitation at the end of that meeting for people that have not received the fullness of the Holy Spirit to come forward. And many, many people came. Because otherwise, you are trying to fulfill the call of God on your life without his strength. And if you have not received the fullness of the Holy Spirit, otherwise known as the baptism, when, when we have prayer at the end, you just say, I want to receive the Holy Spirit. It's not hard. He's a gentleman, though. Guess what? He waits for you to ask. Thieves break in. But Jesus said, I stand at the door and knock. That was to the church that, that's used as a salvation scripture, but it's not. It was to the church at Laodicea. And if any man hears my voice and opens a door, I'll come in and sup with him and he with me. You see, he's a gentleman. He won't force his way in, not ever. The first thing that the devil tried to do with Jesus was to steal his identity. Remember how Jesus was driven into the wilderness in Luke 4 and 1, and then Jesus, full of and controlled by the Holy Spirit, returned to the Jordan and was led by the Holy Spirit for during 40 days in the wilderness where he was tempted, tried, and tested exceedingly by the devil. And he ate nothing during those 40 days. And when they were completed, he was hungry. If you've ever studied fasting, do you know that after 40 days of no food, your body begins to digest itself or survive? I've read testimonies of people that have done a 40-day fast. I have never been called to do that. And I really hope I never am. But I would obey if the Lord asked me to do that. But the truth is I fast every day, every single day. You don't have to fast for days at a time. You can fast a meal. You can fast something you really like. Just anything that deprives your flesh of its yelling pull on your life. You, you know what? This is novel. You could fast your phones. Just saying. And so, so Jesus ate nothing and he was hungry. And then the devil said to him, watch the first temptation. 
If you are the son of God, command these stones be made bread. The first thing he did was challenge if you are the son of God. He challenged his identity. And Jesus replied to him, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Take that, devil. That's a, that, that, there's nothing the devil is more afraid of than the word of God ever. You know, I used to get my identity from clothes. I don't anymore. And do I like pretty things? Sure, I do. But they're not my identity. They're not my identity. I think we all ought to look nice, and you all do. You all look nice. But it's not my identity. If you get your identity from labels and tags, then you're not getting your identity from the robe of righteousness and the garment of salvation. That's what I want my identity to be. I want to shine. There was a song years and years ago called Shine, Jesus, Shine. Who remembers that? And just a few of you. And, but it was, that was, those were the words, shine, Jesus, shine. And that's what we want more than anything. So let's look for a moment at 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5. I want to go back to close for a minute because um, we did not have very much money in those early days. We had three daughters and we were on a really tight budget. And, and um, there, I, I've shared this before, but I literally could not step foot in a discount store, could not step foot in it. It would nauseate me. Now, in those days, there was only one discount store. And I've asked before, everybody remembers Solo Serve, right? If you're from San Antonio, you remember Solo Serve. And my friends, you know, including Pam, would go to Solo Serve and get beautiful clothes. And I would try to walk in the door, and I felt like I was going to throw up. And I never could understand why. And then one day, my teacher pointed out to me that, see, when I was a little girl, there were four of us. I was the oldest. My parents, my father was in the military, in the Air Force. We didn't have a lot of money at all. I mean, it was a very, very fixed income. And my mother was always trying to save money. And so she would take me shopping at the least expensive store she could find on occasion. It wasn't often. And she would flip through the dresses or the clothes. And when she found the least expensive garment, she would give it to me. And that would be my garment. And the Lord showed me that I had equated that, even though my mom did not mean one thing by it. I equated that with somebody of low value and low self-esteem. And somebody who wasn't worth very much. And you know what? Sometimes if you ask the Holy Spirit, why do I do what I do? When you know it's something that's not healthy and beneficial for you, he'll show you. I can go in those stores now if I want to. You know, or I can do things like take my granddaughter shopping and she never looks at a price. She just hands it to me and I buy it. <laughs> now, does your worth come in your things? No, it doesn't. But you know what? God loves us. And the Bible says he gives good gifts to his children. And so I really want to encourage you where your identity is concerned to ask the Holy Spirit. If there's something that's not working right for you, there's an area you feel condemned or accused or belittled, or here's the devil's big word, diminished. If you feel diminished in any way, ask him why. Ask him where did that get in? Just like I did. Because where it got in, you've got to go back to that and shut that door. My mom did not mean one thing by that. She was just trying to live by a budget. But as a little girl, it devastated me. It really did. So, 
Every lie I believed about myself had to be replaced with the truth. And you can go through the scripture over and over. You can go to 2 Corinthians 3.18. And it says that all of us behold as in a mirror the word of God. We are transformed as we behold as in a mirror the word of God. We are transformed into that very image. This is the best thing I can encourage you today. Walk in your gifts and your calling. It's not hard. I always have people say, how do you do what you do? I don't know how you get it all done. It's not hard because I'm walking in what God's called me to do. And if you walk in what God's called you to do and you stay in your lane and you quit trying to, to do what she does and she does and, oh, no, Lord, I don't like being a servant. I'd rather be a prophet. Would, really? Read what happened to him. Tell me that. Oh, Lord, I don't want the gift of giving that I have. I'd rather be a teacher. Really? James 4 says, let not many of you be teachers because you will receive the stricter judgment. I never realized, Lord, why are you so hard on me? I see people get away with these things and I don't. And he put me back to James 4. Let not many of you be teachers. You will receive the stricter judgment. He was right. You know, we all want to be something we're not. But if you will just be who God called you to be, you'll be so blessed. I looked for the gifts of God in my children when they were little. When they were little. You know, Katie, who now has a national wreath business, it's powerful. Her wreaths are so anointed and beautiful. But, you know, when she was little, she would make, I don't know if any of you remember button shirts. Does anybody remember button shirts? Nobody remember. Pam, thank you. You and I are the only young ones here, apparently. Yeah, you would take a T-shirt and sew, sew all kinds of buttons. And they were really stylish. And, and Katie would just pay, take a T-shirt and she would sew buttons on them. And people liked the, the button shirts and so she would sell them from a little girl. And she went to college and she became a teacher and taught for years until she started having children. And then she realized she had a gift of creativity and beauty. And she turned it in to a, a very successful business. Why? She's just took what's in her hands. What's in your hand? In your identity in Christ, what has he given you to do? Maybe it's just taking food to your next door neighbor. That's a biggie. I want to tell you something. When a person's hurting, taking food is one of the most precious things you can do. When my sister was dying... My mother was in the hospital, and my other two sisters would, at night, would go sit with mother, and I would take food, and I would sit with Kathy, and I shared some of her last meals with her. Just do what's in your hand. It doesn't have to have rocket ships and everybody going, hallelujah, I praise you. We don't want people to do that. Or maybe you can just send a text to somebody and actually see how they're doing. Or maybe if somebody asks you to pray for them, you'll check on them. I've had so many people say to me, you're the only person that's checked on me. That ought not to be. We're a family. Remember that song, I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God? I don't remember the rest, but those were the words. <laughs> 2 Corinthians 10, for though we walk in the flesh, we are not warring according to the flesh and using mere human weapons. For the weapons of our warfare are not physical weapons of flesh and blood. They are mighty before God for the overthrow and destruction of strongholds. Inasmuch as we refute arguments, theories, reasonings, and every proud and lofty thing that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. 
And we lead every thought and purpose away captive to the obedience of Christ. That's why I wrote this book, Journey into the Father's Heart, because I wanted to know the nature of the Father. How can you bring thoughts that are against the knowledge of who he is if you don't know his nature? He hasn't changed his name. He's still Jehovah, the self-sufficient one, the I am, the healer, the provider, the shepherd, and, and the rest. He's still that person. That's the heart of the Father. And Jesus came along and he said, I've come to do your will. I do whatever the Father does. I say whatever the Father says. I, I, that's what I do. But if you don't know the nature of God, how are you going to bring your thoughts captive to the nature of God? If you think he's mean and that he wants to hurt you, and if you think he puts something evil on you, you can't. It will paralyze you. Any thought that will cause you to question the nature and the character of God is not from the Father. And that's what you're to imprison. And let me tell you what my greatest enemy and your greatest enemy is, reasoning. Oh, but that didn't happen for her. Oh, God, they believed you. It didn't happen for them. How do you know? How do you know what they believe? There's always something that you and I don't know. Always. That's between the Lord and the person. I love what Charles Neiman said when his wife passed away. He sat outside the day she died and sat on a chair outside her hospital room, and he said these words, Lord, I'll never ask you why that's between you and, and, him, and her. I thought that was pretty powerful. Doesn't change who God is. That word, let me see if I can find it. I know I wrote it down. Yes, destruction. It's a violent word. The Greek means demolition, destroy, raise, R-A-Z-E, pull down. And the word stronghold is a Greek fortress, a strong-walled fortress, of arguments and reasonings. It is a violent act where that thought comes into your mind, God doesn't care, God doesn't hear me, the promises are never gonna come true for me. We rise up in violence and we say, no, in the name of Jesus, this is what the word of God says, I am sticking to it. I saw a powerful testimony. Her name was Lachey, I remember her last name at all, but lovely, lovely woman. And um, she was feeling bad one day and she was a minister in her church and some of the, the women in the church took her to the doctor and they did all these scans and they came out and they said, well, we have some bad news. You have 30 days to live. You have cancer, there's nothing we can do. And so she went home to die. She went home, she laid on the sofa. You can look up the testimony. If you just put testimony of Lachey, you'll find it. It's really good. She, she went home to die and her father, who was the pastor of the church, walked by her one day and he, he pointed his finger at her and instead of giving her sympathy, he said, you are a minister of the gospel and the devil is trying to kill you. And if you don't get up off this sofa, you're gonna die. That's what he said to her. So she got up off the sofa as hard as it was. She got the word of God. And every day she would personalize the word and she would say what God said. Day one, day two, day three, day four. She gets to day 20, day 21. Now remember, she says, I only had 30 days to live. Just 30 days. It's day 23, day 24, day 25, day 29. I only have 30 days to live. I have one more day to live. And she would take Isaiah 53, four and five. 
And she would personalize it. She would say, but Lord, you were wounded for Lachey's transgressions. You were bruised for Lachey's iniquities. The punishment needful for Lachey to obtain peace and well-being fell upon you. And by your wounds, Lachey is healed. And on day 30, she went back to the doctor. They did scans. He came in and he said, this was 30 days ago. Shows you the x-ray. This is now. He goes, where is the cancer? It was gone. It bowed to the word of God. But what if she had stayed on that sofa? What happened? She had to receive her identity as the healed of the Lord. And she had to apprehend it. And so before we close, I just want to speak over you one word the Lord keeps giving me. And it's the word release. Release. That word release is such a powerful, powerful, powerful word. And it literally means to let go and to be made free. To enable to escape from confinement. Jesus declared release all of the time. He was such a powerful, powerful, powerful man as well as God. He never saw a captive that he did not proclaim release to. Luke 4, 17 through 21, quoting Isaiah 61. There was handed to Jesus the book of the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. He opened the book and he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor and sent me to announce release to the captives. And that's what Jesus is doing today for you and me. He is announcing release from false identity. In Zechariah 9, 10 through 12, he says, I have released your imprisoned people out of the waterless pit. Return to the stronghold of security and prosperity. How many of you would like to live in a stronghold of security and prosperity? He said, this very day, I declare, I will restore double. I'll make you a prisoner of hope. Luke 8, 48, to the woman with the issue of blood. Beloved daughter, your faith in me has released your healing. The woman bent over double in Luke 13, 11. Woman, you are released from your illness. God is telling us today that we are released. Let me give you a simple exercise. Here's the lie. No, here's the truth. When I am afraid, I will trust in you. So what happens when fear hits? You can either say, Lord, when I am afraid, and you will be at times, I will trust in you. Or you can say the lie. When I am afraid, I will doubt you. It's not hard. Take the Psalms. If you don't know the word, just take the Psalms. I have a journal, and I'm reading through the Psalms and the Passion now, and the ones that really jump out to me, I'll just write it down. I just write it down. Because if you write it down, you write it in. You write it down, you write it in. You write it down, you write it in. Do it. Do it. You don't have to be a beggar anymore. Get up from the pool of Bethesda. I don't have anybody to help me. Jesus said, get up and walk. Arise, take up your bed and walk. Stop feeling sorry for yourself because he doesn't. You have the power of a holy God living in you. And if you don't, you come up here and receive Christ as your Lord and Savior today and get filled with the Holy Spirit. Can I get the prayer team up here, please? They're going to proclaim release to you from mental captivity and from false identity. It started in the garden, but I want you to declare it stops today, not someday, today. Not someday, today. Thanks again for joining us. If you enjoyed the podcast, subscribe and share it with a friend. You can hear more messages by visiting chosenessay.com. 
Be sure to follow us at Chosen Essay on Facebook and Instagram.